Good afternoon. It's the uh, fourth Friday of the month, and that means it's time for Literary Ashland. You're listening to KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon, and 94.1 FM in Medford, Oregon. I'm Michael Neiman. And I'm Ed Battistella. And we have a couple of guests today, Ed. Why don't you introduce them? Yeah, our special guests today have just published a book of poetry called Promised Fruit. Our guests are Alma Rosa Alvarez. She's a professor of English at Southern Oregon University, where she teaches U.S. ethnic literature. And Michelle St. Romain Wilson, who's taught creative writing to children and teens through the Oregon Writing Project at Southern Oregon University. So welcome, both of you. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Well, well tell us a little bit about your collaboration um, in your uh, book, Promised Fruit, the two of you, I guess, were writing partners for a while. How did that work? Well, um, I think it was at one of the last uh, literary, um, Ashland Liter Literary or Book Festivals. Um, I did a reading and Michelle um, came up to me and she said, hey, you know, I think we have a lot of things in common in terms of how we write and the topics that we're talking about. And so um, she invited me to, um, you know, meet with her uh, on a monthly basis. And that's how we began our, our sort of collaboration. We began critiquing each other's work, reading each other's work. Um, and then I think maybe, was it like a year ago, Michelle, that you were like, hey, we should like do something. We should write a book. Yeah, yes, it was, it was about a year ago. It was, I think it was two years ago when we started meeting, and it was really just an opportunity for, for us to share our writing with each other. Writing can be kind of a lonely thing. So it was great to find that we had similar, similar viewpoints on the world, similar kind of a voice, similar, I think, similar um, sensibility about the purpose of poetry, why we write it. And, and it was just great getting to know each other that way. So it was, it was a year ago we started talking about, let's do something with it. We're creating some great stuff. And so we decided let's try to put it together and create a book. Mm, so it, you didn't start out with the idea of creating a book. The book emerged as you were working together? Or the idea for the book? Okay. What was, the process, what was the process of, of, of getting that into a book? What was that like? That was really interesting because, um, as Michelle was saying, the book sort of um, idea emerged later on. We were just really sharing each other's work um, and holding each other accountable because I know that if I don't have someone that I have to report to, then I'm not writing <laughs> uh, because other things get in the way. But... Um, I think that it was after some time of sharing and noticing that 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 we were writing on similar themes, um, like uh, on being parents, um, you know, on what was happening in our world. That uh, Michelle Michelle actually you know brought up the idea. So it wasn't something that we started off with. I think it's really beautiful in the way that it sort of emerged organically from the meetings that we were having. And, and I would add to that, that I think um, we're living in such powerful times, transformative times, I think. So um, I speak for myself, but I, I think that for both, well, I think for both of us, that writing is a bit of a way to process 
what's happening in the world mm -hmm. to share it. And in our monthly connections of sharing our writing, I think, um, you know, we were able to help each other deepen our own perspectives on the things we were writing about um, and to, to really develop the pieces of poetry we were writing to be even more uh, powerful. And so the thought of putting the book together, I think also it's kind of, it was spurred by the times we're living in and that idea of let's, let's share it beyond the two of us because it felt so powerful for both of us. Yeah, if I could just follow up for a second. Um, I, when I was at Playa a year and a half ago, there was a poet there and I, I learned that the process of selecting which poem goes into the book and how they are arranged is a really complicated process. So how did that part work for you? Well, we came together and um, I think we said, let's, let's pick, you know, uh, 25 to 30 poems that we each had written um, that we maybe wanted to, to showcase. Um, and, and we, I think we showed up with, with about 25 poems, each of us. And we, we each ended up with 13 pieces in it. So I think yeah. there's 26. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but I think originally, like, you brought, you brought 25, and I brought, mm -hmm. and, and then we, we literally, like, took up the space, uh, and I think, Michelle, you suggested that we read the, the poems to each other, and that's what we actually did, is we, we read them aloud, um, and then based on, like, the theme and content, we were sort of laying them out side by side, um, and then, and I mean, it was a, it was, it, it took us several meetings, if I remember correctly, to actually pick, and we wanted things that sort of sounded, um, you know, like, alike, but also thematically connected. Um, and I don't know, Michelle, if you want to speak also about like the arc that we sort of developed or discovered that our work had. Sure. So it, it actually, it was very, it was a very creative and fun and organic process. We read them out and then we laid them out on the floor, which was great. And then just started picking and choosing and clumping them together. And that's how we came. And we realized the arc was kind of, you know, both of us writing from the perspective of being mothers and teachers in the world and just women walking through the world. So the beginning of it is that and our sense of, of what we see in the world, how it touches us. Um, and then we move into, you know, and that, that takes us into some family pieces and then into some pieces really about social justice, the injustices we see in the world, the things that break our heart and, and that we struggle with in our minds and how to come to terms with that. And so that's kind of the center of it. And then we come to what we think of as kind of the redemption pieces, the, how we find as poets, as women, a way to... Um, work with that and be with it. So that's how it ends, the, the last pieces. And I see it starts, out, it starts out with the imperative of poetry and ends with to live in the time of mangoes. So you can, you can sort of see the arc right there. Um, and there, there's also some great tangerines on the cover and um, a poem about a bowl of tangerines. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, growth and life here. Um, would one of you uh, be interested in reading a piece if you've got your book handy? Sure. I think we each probably picked one that we could read if there's time. Yeah. So yeah, let's, should we start with Michelle? Okay, I'll go first. I'm going to read the one that actually I keep coming back to now 
called The Only Thing You Know. Um, and I wrote it at a time when the weight of the world felt very heavy and the things I usually lean on didn't feel strong enough. Um, the only thing you know. Go to the mat and lie prostrate against the cold winter within you. Go to the cathedral, eyes turned upward toward the light, streaming in through the glass mosaic of Jesus tending sheep knowing you will never feel his hand on you as these sheep did long ago. And yet you stand or kneel, hopeful, for a different kind of touch, one that comes unbidden, melting muscles tight in your shoulders, muscles tight within your chest, heart beating slowly now to the rhythm of your deepening breath. Go to the mountains, walking through pine trees with your senses alert to some sign that the spirits of the deep earth are listening, paying attention to the fall of humans in the great cities and suburbs, hoping they will speak and tell you secrets that you can tell your children in the dark of night when the wind swirls outside your window and you doubt the rising of the sun, or the coming of the Christ, though you never say this aloud. Go to the silence, for this is all you know to do. This is all the prophets and the wise ones say to do. Go, as if your life and the lives of your children's children depended on it. Go to the mat to still your beating heart, because it is the only thing you know you can do. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. I, li I like the way it sort of combines the imperative with the idea of knowing and, and mm -hmm. sort of builds from the cathedral to the mat. Yeah. 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 Very nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. what, is, what, is, what is it about poetry that makes it special to you? To me? Yeah. Well, both of you. Michelle, sure. Both of you, but we'll start with you, Michelle. Um, what I love about poetry is that I think it's our first language, and I think it's a universal language. There's an idea, I think, that poet is this special language that only certain people know how to write or speak, but it's the first thing we do. We, we imitate sounds, we rhyme and rhythm and repetition. It's the first thing we do, and I think poetry goes straight to our hearts and our spirits. Mm -hmm. And so complex things can be told in short language that sticks with us. I, I think um, some of the same things that Michelle is saying, I think that sometimes with the poetic form, because you have to do things in such a concentrated, um, you know, uh, uh, form, uh, you have to really be able to like pack a punch, you know, uh, with your... Mm -hmm with your metaphors. And so for me, that I think is the, the power of poetry to be able to deliver something that is hopefully uh, significant in, um, you know, a matter of lines. All right. In case you're just joining us, you are listening to KSKQ 89.5 FM and Ashland, Oregon. This is Literary Ashland and we're talking with poets Alma Rosa Alvarez and Michelle St. Romain Wilson. So, well, you mentioned packing a punch in the um, 
in the poems. Uh, how about how was the um, the process of critiquing each other's work, sort of the, the taking of a punch? Were there places where <laughs> were there places where you disagreed or? The best part of working with Almarosa is that she doesn't punch. I try not to either. Um, I think that we both poetically guide, that we both just offer reflection, and that's how we just set it up. Just a reflection of this is how I hear it. And, you know, right here, I want to hear a little more. And really leaving it to each other and trusting each other's voice to find the right thing. We just offer it really as a suggestion. Yeah, I think it's been one of the most gentle processes that I have ever been in, in terms of my writing. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, the way that we do it is, you know, we're, we're both, you know, well-read people, and we both have experience. And so we're free to also um, take what that person, you know, is offering, or if it, if, if it doesn't feel necessarily right for what we're wanting to convey, it's okay. And like, there are no feelings. But I certainly take what Michelle says seriously when she's offering a guiding comment on my pieces, you know, and I think she does the same. I hope. <laughs> I, I definitely do. And that's what I was going to say. I think that I have such a deep trust for Amorosa's skill, expertise, clearly as a professor, but beyond that, as a wise person, as somebody who's been doing this a long time. And so I'm I ask for it and, and I'm welcome. I, I welcome the input she shares. And I imagine the process makes you both better teachers as you comment on students' writing. You, you sort of know what it's like to have other folks comment on yours. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Sure. So, well, Rosa, could you read something? Sure. I'm going to read a poem called Blue Jay. Despite your black bridle and perky crest, I had disliked you for being the bully of the feeders, for sometimes being bold enough to consume others' eggs or nestlings. Master mimic of gardens and fields, I misjudged how your voracious appetite, which in human terms translates to gluttony and hoarding, turns through forgetfulness into seed dispersal, a replenishing of the ecosystem. I misjudged how your actions render wasps carefully gathered fibers from dead wood and plant stems empty and uninhabitable. A good, a good poem for the Earth Day we just had. Um, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I, I misunderstand blue jays as well. I, they, they do seem like hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually, this is like so silly, but a real sweetness to them because the male, when the female is, is carrying, you know, uh, pregnant, feeds her, which is like really incredible and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> There's always well, I, more to the animals that we like to vilify. <laughs> I like the line, master mimic of gardens and fields, too. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's indeed good, yeah. Thank you. So each of you, clearly you like each other's poetry, so we're not going to have to talk about that, but who are some of your favorite poets? 
you want to start, Michelle? Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, I, I have a lot of favorites. The person that always really comes to mind first for me, probably a poet that has been um, really inspirational for me, is Mary Oliver. When she died last year, I think it was last year, I kind of went into mourning. I felt this sense that our, and there are so many others, uh, but so much of her poetry speaks to me. I also love writing about nature. Her work is so beautiful messages from nature that she seems to be able to channel in her work. So I really love her. I also, I love Joy Harjo. David White, I listen to his a lot. And I love when he speaks his poetry. Um, And then like Alice Walker, Maya Angelou, there's quite a few. Jane Hirschfeld. So I have a long list. Well, I like um, Lucille Clifton and Pablo Neruda. And I think for me, both of those individuals, uh, something that they did is they really took very ordinary um, circumstances, experiences, and, you know, made them really sort of extraordinary. I, I love the way that Lucille Clifton can talk about, you know, she can talk about like an abortion in a really super poetic kind of way that is so deeply resonant. Um, you know, she can talk about her uterus, you know, um, and things like that. And then Pablo Neruda in, in mostly his odes. I love his odes because he's got like, ode to an onion, you know, to these really ordinary things. And mm-hmm. then poems and you're like, wow, yeah, an onion is like spectacular, right? I've also been reading a lot of Donald Hall lately, uh, who is a poet that I enjoyed reading. Um, I, you know, I had also liked Jane Kenyon's work, they were married. And I've been reading a lot of the poems that he wrote after Jane Kenyon passed away. So I enjoy their work. And of course, I enjoy Michelle's work as well. Thank you. I wanted to ask about the the cover. It's got this terrific um, photo of tangerines on it, and the title is Promised Fruit. Um, it's just a sort of, um, it makes me, makes me want to eat some tangerines right now. But um, <laughs> the, the photo Michelle did, um, but how did you uh, pick the title? And the, I noticed that Alma Rosa has a poem in there called Salvador Ferragamo. So you could have gone with a pair of shoes on the cover. <laughs> what was the fruit? We we could have, and you know, as we did that delightful process of laying the poetry out on the floor in, in her office and looking at it, and then looking at what themes and imagery kind of wove it together, you know, we asked ourselves the question, why put this together? You know, why should we do this together? And why should we put these particular pieces mm-hmm. together? What I think we both came to um, was at least one theme that holds it together, one piece is the imagery of fruit. And so we, there's actually quite a bit of imagery of fruit throughout it. And then we talked about how, what, what fruit is and, and promised fruit, the idea of, um, it's actually part of a, a line of the last piece in the collection about promised fruit and, and what that means that, you know, not all fruit blooms. We don't, we don't get to have all the fruit that is promised to us. And when it does, how beautiful it is. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we came to the name. And we had, well, Amarosa, you could talk about what you had thought that you might want the title to be and, and how that I wanted. Out. I wanted the title to be a Bowl of Tangerines because I really, I enjoy all of Michelle's poems. I really love that poem in particular. Again, because 
Michelle is doing something that my favorite poets do, which is she's looking at, you know, um, uh, meditating on her children eating from this bowl of tangerines. And then she goes on to this reflection of, you know, the, these, these bigger issues like the, the children in cages. And I actually was like rallying behind. <laughs> and I was like, that should be the title of our book. And, and so she felt like it was like maybe, um, you know, kind of unfair that it was like, uh, uh, you know, um, alluding to her poem. And I was like, it, it's fine. I'm fine with it. It's, it's, it's great. And she had this sort of bigger uh, vision for it. Uh, we actually tried it out on some folks. We were like, hey, what do you think about this title? And I think that's what sort of ultimately maybe stopped me from like, you know, badgering her about Bowl of Tangerine. <laughs> is that people seem to really love the idea of promised fruit. Mm -hmm. And Michelle was like, took some pictures. <laughs> <you know? laughs> she actually did the cover, which I, you know, the, the image, which I think is a really lovely image. So it still has Bowl of Tangerines. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> you split the difference, promised fruit and Bowl of Tangerines as the image. That's yeah. The title spoke to me because it's such a wonderful juxtaposition to that rather more common phrase, forbidden fruit, mm -hmm. right? I, I just like that it was this offering rather than this denial in the title. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way you can actually read promised as a verb or an adjective there. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. We were thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was kind of fun to poll people. We both polled people. I polled uh, my teenage son who doesn't read poetry you know, all the way through, we pulled lots of people. So it was actually kind of fun and was part of the process mm -hmm. of putting the whole thing together. Mm, good. Yeah. What are you working on right now, if anything? Amorosa? Well, as you know, we have moved on to online environments. And <laughs> I, think, I think at this point in time, I haven't had an opportunity to um, really write so I'm looking forward to being able to do that once um, things sort of settle down for us in the university system um, mm -hmm. and connecting Michelle to be able to, to um, do the next um, level of writing. We had started initially writing, and I don't know if Michelle, you want to tell, tell them about the monthly sort of thing that you were prompting uh, us to write. So go for it. Sure. We, we were able to meet in January and February and, um, shared some of our new writing. Um, we're both obviously continuing to write. And we thought about what an what a amazing year 2020 is. And this was before we all had to go into our homes. You know, it was a couple weeks before that. <laughs> so we talked about what if we each obviously keep writing about all the things that we're drawn to write about, but each, the, each month we each write a piece that feels pertinent to that month's energy. And so, um, and then see what we come up with, and maybe that'll be a spring 2021 book. So that's where we are, and that's what I'm really working on. And our March theme was pandemic. And actually, Almaroz, I can't read, wait to read what you've written. So I've written a couple of pieces around it, and we'll see what keeps happening. But I'm continuing to write poetry. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that pandemic too. isn't the theme for every month. No, no. No, <laughs> no it's not. It started with... Um, with quiet winter and um, it'll move through the year with a whole range of things, hopefully. Well, I, I guess one of the things uh, you, uh, you mentioned that we're in this new mode of uh, teaching online and ha have you continued to do the, 
collaboration in a sort of online environment or since our since our last meeting we haven't been able to to um, get together but I believe that pretty soon uh, we'll be doing a, a, a zoom meeting to be able to share our our mm-hmm. work um, I think we had one scheduled for last last weekend but we had you know a series of things come up for both of us um, so we'll we'll be rescheduling that soon you know we do yeah. stay in connection though even if we can't right, you know, occasional texts or emails, and I think staying connected that way, certainly supporting me and continuing to write. There's some downsides and upsides to this connecting virtually in the sense that, yes, we can actually see each other's faces, faces, so that's, that's a good thing. But at the same time, there is still just this mediated quality to it, right? That is just not the same as being in the room. And I can imagine, especially collaborating on poetry, that actually being in the same space together is important. I don't know how you see that. I think it's true. And I would also say that in this particular circumstance, we've been meeting every month. I I think we've maybe missed one or two in the last two years. Um, Mm -hmm. And we both have really busy lives going in different directions. We rarely see each other other than this, but I, I feel the connection uh, is kind of solid. So I think our online collaboration will still be very productive. Yeah, the only thing I think I will be missing, aside from, you know, like giving Michelle a hug when I see her, is we would meet in um, establishment and talent, eat and, you know, have breakfast there and, and work on our stuff. And so, you know, it was as many of those kinds of poetry environments, writing environments, uh, a little bit of socializing, a little bit of food, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. A whole ritual around it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Those are important. Yes. Well, that just about brings us to the end of our time together. Thank you very much for coming together virtually for this interview. You've been listening to Literary Ashland right here on KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon. Our guests today were Alma Rosa Alvarez and Michelle St. Romain Wilson, our poets, and the book that we discussed was Promised Fruit. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next month with another edition of Literary Ashland. 